Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Well, good evening and welcome to uh, the Facebook Live broadcast from Oikos Ministries. I'm your host, Terrell Abair. We're uh, going through a study called uh, Strongholds, Overcoming Strongholds. And so we've been doing this for the last several weeks, and we welcome you tonight. And as we, whether you listen to this through podcast or while you're watching us live tonight or through the podcast or the YouTube or Spotify or one of those other venues we have, you can find out about all this and catch up on anything you may have missed by going to our website at www.housechurchesusa.com and you can read all about it. So uh, we just uh, love to have you with us tonight. And without further ado, we're going to jump right in tonight because of our <clears throat> the amount of content that I want to try to cover. Now, we're taking the text, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, and it says that uh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and having in a readiness after, excuse me, and bringing every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness that once your obedience is fulfilled uh, to a great zeal to go get them, man. So I want to just tell you tonight, as we deal with this breaking strongholds, we've dealt with the idea that a stronghold is a fortified place in our spirit, not our spirit, but in our, our soul, our mind, our will, emotions, our, our, our uh, physical body that literally a, a stronghold, a place where a strong man could take up residence. And we found out that a stronghold had the origins from our past experiences, from wrong belief systems, and from uh, uh, also from environmental influences. So we've dealt with all that. Now, I want to capitalize, I want to really take a look tonight on the issue of the strong man. I want to look at biblical terms biblical devils that are, uh, I mean, we're not just conjuring up something and say, you know, we're not just saying, a, uh, making up some name. We want to deal with things the Bible actually deals with as strong men, demon spirits that literally torment uh, the people of God and literally want to destroy any, they want to mar the image of God any way they can. It's what they do. And so, I don't want to go into the origins of demons. I won't do that tonight. But what I want to do is take the biblical demons that are there and go for that. Now, there's four realms of demon. And it's uh, physical. That's the first one. We'll deal with that in just a minute. Then there is the soulish realm or the mental, emotional devils. And then thirdly, there's moral that affect our moralities, uh, and then the fourth one would be religious devils, okay? And so we're going to start off with number one, the physical demons that are listed. Now, we've touched base on a lot of these already. As a matter of fact, last week, our teaching on Matthew 8, uh, as they brought many who were sick uh, and possessed with devils, they had to bring those who were possessed with devils to Jesus, and he cast out the devils with his word. 
And I think this is a phenomenal thing that they had to bring them to him. And he cast out the demons. He cast them out with his word. The word of God will drive demons out. That's why it's so important to have a strong relationship with the word of God. The more we saturate our hearts and our minds in God's word, the less room that a demon has to occupy in a person's life. So, and it's not in the carnal knowledge, but it's in revelation knowledge and understanding that we begin to break through the strongholds that, and the torment that these demons can bring, and even the sinful seduce, seduced into sinful lifestyles. So, and we're going to start our study tonight in Matthew chapter 12. <clears throat> We've touched base on this verse in this study once, but we're going to hit it again tonight, just uh, briefly, because I'm not going to dwell on all the contexts of these things tonight, but what we're going to do is just hit each one of these. So in Matthew 12 and uh, in verse 22, it's, excuse me, I'm on my wrong page. All right, Matthew 12, 22, it says, Then was brought to him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, blind and mute, and he healed him insomuch the blind and dumb both spoke and saw. Now I want you to notice this. A demon spirit caused a physical blindness and an inability to see, uh, speak. He couldn't see and he could not speak. This is a, it was driven by a demon spirit. Now I know a lot of people say, no, this is medical. This is, and, and this is the thing that I think there's so much opposition of science now. Look, I love science that, that will agree with Christianity. Uh, look, our creator made all the things that science wants to study. But I want to tell you something. When the science tries to goes against and disavow what the creator said, then we got a problem. We part ways. And so you say, well, you got to believe the science. Well, I, I don't believe uh, the world's science. Let's just put it this way. I believe that there is the word of God and I believe the world likes to bend things in their directions and deify man and not God. They worship the creature more than the creator. So God says here, it says there was one who was blind and he could not speak. And this was all spiritually induced by a demon spirit. Now, this is a problem. Now, is every per blind person demon possessed? Is every mute or deaf? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying, though, in this particular case, absolutely, this person was made blind and was also struck mute by a evil spirit. And look what it says. And he healed him in so much that the blind both spoke, uh, saw and spake. And so when we look at this issue that healing a spiritually induced physical problem is healed once a deliverance takes place. I want you to see that and understand that. And some of you out there with physical problems should look at this. That are, I'm not saying every physical ailment is a demon, but I am saying that there are some and many, I want to say many, that are demon spirits. And they're here to try to hurt us. They want to kill you. They want to steal, kill, and destroy as a matter of fact, let's keep moving. Look at Mark chapter 9, another verse that we've dealt with some in Mark chapter 9. I'm going to move quickly through these. You can, Like I said, you can go to our website anytime and go back over this stuff. It's going to be a lot of information imported tonight. <clears throat> in Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 17, I want you, I'm going to put this one in context because it's so great. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which has a dumb or a mute spirit. He couldn't speak. 
And whoever he and wheresoever we taketh him, he tears him, he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now notice the the uh, the manifestations of this spirit. I mean, he would tear him. Uh, he would uh, he would foam. He would gnash with his teeth. There was a grinding, a gritting. One of the uh, understandings of gnashing with teeth would make a shrill voice. I've heard these things. I've seen this happen. I've actually experienced that numerous times where when a demon manifests, we have these shrill voice kind of things come up. Uh, and he pines away. He just he just dries him up. And I spoke to your disciples. They should cast him out, but they could not. And I find that there's a great difficulty that comes between you know, Jesus who had the full blast Holy Spirit. He didn't have a part, a measure, a portion. He had the whole Holy Spirit living in him. We have measured and part, but hear me carefully. We've been given authority and power to cast out devils. As a matter of fact, under the authority of Jesus, one of the first things he says, go your way, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. He tells us to cast out devils. This is an authority given to the people of God. And don't tell me it stopped when the last apostle died because you're just, a, in, you have a demon spirit of error if you believe that. Uh, I'm telling you, God is still alive and well and working and he's still, nothing changed that you get. There is no chapter and verse that says that the spirit of God has been withdrawn and now we don't have the miracles that God gave us. God forbid. Thank you. Let's just keep moving. We'll get back to that in a little while. So it says, He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. I want you to notice he claimed, he called his disciples faithless because they couldn't get the job done. And I think we have to take an ownership of this that many times unbelief, I want to tell you this, I believe that their unbelief is ruling the day right now. I really do. And I'm not going to sit here, sit here and blame my ineffectiveness on someone else's unbelief. I want to tell you now, Jesus has given us the, the authority and the ability to cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. He's given that to us. I believe it's everything to do with us bringing that spirit of faith alive in other people. That, that has to happen. Why on earth would they bring them to me if they don't believe? And so we need a spirit of faith to rise up, a spirit of expectancy to come up uh, that literally I don't want to fall in a position of unbelief that we're unable to get the job done that Jesus gave us to do. Okay, keep reading. And they brought unto him uh, and and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tore him and he fell to the ground and wallowed foaming. There's that manifestation again. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. So this had been happening all his kid's life, and now he was uh, coming to a head. And oftentimes it's cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, folks, listen, I understand there are many people with many mental health concerns mental health issues, emotional health issues. But at some point, okay, folks, we have to look at this. And some of this is spiritually induced. At some point, we have to look at these things and just say, there is a demonic issue happening in here. Okay. I believe people can be born with birth defect and this. I understand that. Okay. 
I'm not trying to say everything that happens is a demon out there and the devil made me do it. But let me say this thing. Why did the Lord in his Lord's prayer say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the prayer that we should be praying every day, a daily prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. So it's a daily prayer. And he says, forgive us our debts. He said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I believe a deliverance from evil is a powerful issue and that we need to do this on a regular basis. Folks, if we're just we're just yawning, I mean, it's like apathy and we'll get to some of these words in a minute. But let me tell you, if we're just, if we, we got no sensitivity toward this, maybe we're already beat. Maybe you're already beaten. At some point, we have to look at these things and say, well, have we let the demonic take a foothold and begin to hurt people? Is he, is he thwarting the whole purposes of the, of, of God right now? <clears throat> it says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. I've been grieved about this for quite some time that there is an unbelief in our nation that is huge right now. It's very large. And look, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look, people don't want to go read the Bible for themselves. They don't want to hear the word of God. They want watered down stuff. The preaching of today is not going to let you hear the word of God. Much of the preaching today is just, it's just, uh, self-help, uh, uh, light serendipity stuff. It's just silliness. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't know why people get up and go to a church that would do, say stuff like this. But it's time we have a spirit of faith rise up in the people. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Not by three points of poem and a prayer. There's nothing going to happen with your little, your little, uh, life experience stories that are just, uh, oh, feel goods and, uh, ooh, wasn't that nice? Nothing's going to happen there. People are going to still stay in bondage and it's time we get to the issue. He said, if you can believe, if you can believe, stay with it. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said, I don't think it should be a great prayer. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is a problem we see often is that belief and unbelief dwelling in the same vessel. It's the warfare manifested that there's everything arguing against the spirit of faith in your mind, but you know the Lord can do it. And it's time to say, help my unbelief, Lord. And let's get this done. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. Now notice that in verse uh, 18, he said, um, excuse me, in verse 17, he said, my son has a dumb spirit. Now he called him a foul spirit. A foul spirit, F-O-U-L, not F-O-W, F-O-U-L, a foul, an unclean, a filthy spirit. Okay? Now, am I saying every person who can't speak or is blind? No, I'm not saying that, please. But do understand what truly is an unclean spirit. We'll get to this later in this uh, teaching. An unclean spirit, four ways to become unclean. According to the law, uncleanness and ceremonial uncleanness in the law. Number one, food. You could get unclean through wrongful food habits. And I want to tell you this much. If you look at the food, uh, the epidemic of eating wrong, uh, whether it be uh, obesity now, whether it be anorexia, with all the eating disorders there are, 
And I'm telling you, we can we can, can we can get an unclean spirit from this. Now, this could happen here. There are so many medical side effects to wrongful eating, but we just eat away. I'm telling you, America is in a epidemic health crisis, and most of it's because of the food we eat or don't eat. Keep going. The next thing on uh, that can make you unclean would be reproduction or in sexuality. There can be an unclean spirit. He could be talking about any number of of deviances, of perversions of sexuality, from fornication to you just keep on right on going, from fornication, adultery, homosexuality, lesbianism. All these things are forms of an unclean spirit. As a matter of fact, when Jesus cast out an unclean spirit, I believe many times he was casting out sexual perversity. Now, I know we're not supposed to say that right now because now we've taken sexuality and think that there's no such thing. There's no way to commit a sexual sin anymore with today's uh, uh, the way things are taught today. Uh, and and it's, it's just there is still sexual deviance in the things that God says. So I'm telling you, many people who are battling with gender identity, homosexuality, lesbianism, all these things, demonic issues. Go on to the third one. Another one is called uh, the, the association, touching a dead body. I'm just going to say this real careful to you, or real plainly, real boldly, let me put it that way. Now, one of the issues right now, Halloween, we have an affinity, we have this obsession, the walking dead. We, want, we are obsessed with death. Tattoos of dead people all over you. Garments with dead skulls and, and all this is an obsession. These are things that are obsess you with death and make you unclean. And the fourth one would be leprosy itself, which has always been in typology, just the general thought for sin. These all can make a person unclean in the eyes of God and literally could you could become demonized through your uncleanness. I mean, there's basically an unsanitary issue concerning spirituality. I'm not just talking about dirty hands and let's get some, uh, uh, what do they call that stuff? Uh, Sanitary hands. No, 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 no. I'm talking about that literally the, the demonic filth we're allowing into our spirit is literally making people unclean and demonizing people. Now, I know a lot of people just laugh at that. <laughs> That's funny. There ain't no such thing. Yeah, might be what's provoking your laughter. So laugh on. When the Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit saying unto him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you to come out of him and enter no more. <clears throat> and the spirit cried, rent him sore, came out of him, and he was as one dead insomuch that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said to them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So here we have a deaf and dumb spirit that is also called a foul spirit by Jesus. Now, when we look at that, Jesus casts the demon out, and again, he was healed. We see spiritual problem, 
physical healing with the deliverance for it. And so if we, if we take the word of God and charge this thing and command it to go, a healing, he, a, a, a deliverance and a healing came and enter no more into him. I think it's a wonderful story. But he says, this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. He didn't say, hold the show, stop the scene, I'm going to go home and fast. It's a fasted life. It's a life that is literally fasting from this entire world. It's a life that is not connected to the world. It certainly can mean that you're doing without food, but literally it's more so the sanctification that we are a separated life from the whole world. This is what the demon sees. Uh, I, I believe when I, I, one of our dear friends uh, said recently, when a demon looks at a spirit-filled person, when he looked at Jesus or a spirit-filled person, he only can see is a big ball of light. And that's why it bothers them so much. These demons cry out. And I've heard them cry out. If you've never heard a demon cry out, then don't tell me nothing. <laughs> don't talk theology with me. As a matter of fact, you're just talking theory. I've not only heard them, I've cast them out. We've seen wonderful deliverances. And so don't tell me it stopped in 2000 years ago because I'm telling you it's still going. And you have to say, well, you're lying. Well, then say that. Help yourself. I'm being nice now. I won't say nothing more. Okay, so we see this. And again, the physical is we cast the physical demon out and the person was healed. Next one uh, in in um, in the spirit of infirmity. Let's go to Luke chapter 13. And I think this one's very important. Diane and I were talking, my wife and I, Diane, some of y'all out there don't know who Diane is. I just say that like it's some, Diane is my wife. Diane and I were talking about this issue right here. And I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, in chapter 13 of Luke, 11th verse, behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and she could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called unto her, called her to him and said, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God and the ruler of the synagogue. Oh, I won't go any further. Immediately she was made. So here we are. I see this one is called a spirit of infirmity that literally infirmity would deal with anything with a weakness and this you go look these words up this word could be a weakness in the mind in the emotion in the morals and even in the physical body and if you think if you look at your own life and you say i am feeble not many people want to make that disclosure nobody want to make that statement if you have a feebleness of thinking a feebleness of constitution and in your integrity or in your decision making if there's a weakness in you if you're just a weak person uh you you're, you're not assertive you can't move forward listen this can also translate into a spirit of infirmity now we're not talking about a person who just has an infirmity am i saying that everybody who's sick has a demon no i am saying this that a spirit of infirmity is definitely a demon spirit making someone sick. Okay. That's an absolute fact. This lady, and we've noticed a, a, a lots of ladies who have stomach issues. I've just seen that. We've noticed that and been paying attention to that. And I think, I don't know what it is. I don't know if something, uh, <clears throat> particular to this generation or, or whatever, but we're noticing that 
widespread among women. And I think it's time that we push the envelope on this and say, woman, thou art loose. It's time to charge that spirit to leave some people because I'm going to tell you, they're, they're taking every kind of thing you can think of and holistically or, or medically and, and they're nothing better. You know, they suffer many things of many physicians and they're nothing better. That's what the Bible says. And I tell you, if a doctor can make you suffer, they can hurt you. They, I mean, they can put you through the ringer. And if you're not better, I don't understand why I keep going. So the point is, at some point, we have to say medicine can't help. Well, don't think I'm loco. If, if, if you believe in God, you better believe there's a devil. If you can't buy into that kind of deal, then maybe you're just defeated already. Maybe there's such a mental block and you can't. Because once this starts unfolding, as we describe, we're just in physical infirmity. This isn't too intimidating. Yeah, well, maybe a demon made him sick. Look, I believe that through one man's sin, death entered the world. That's what the Bible says, Romans chapter 5. Through one man's sin, Adam's sin, death entered the world. And uh, 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 sin entered the world and, and then and death by sin. And then death spread to all men. Death spread to all men. We have to understand that sickness and disease are incipient death and it has spread to all men. It's almost like when in the in the glory days in the earth's uh, uh, infancy, it's like when Adam sent a little pinhole was pricked in the atmosphere and all of a sudden sin was allowed to start pouring in and it's taken its time. But now it has flooded our planet. It's everywhere. Stay with me. Let's go to our next category of devils, and it's called soulish. In particular, mental, but I broadened that to understand it as soulish. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture. All right. Verse seven, for God, Paul's talking to a young pastor or actually a young bishop named Timothy. And he said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now notice that a spirit. Now, let me say, and for every time you see the, excuse me, a spirit of fill in the blank. The word there in the New Testament is going to be pneuma. And that's the generalized word for the spirit of a man. Now, it can also mean a demon spirit. Okay. In the Old Testament, it will be called Ruach. And so in the Old Testament, we have, it's almost, in both, it's breath. It's the breath of man. And, and, and in the Old Testament, it has more like a violence, it's like Ruach, almost like a, a forcefulness on the spirit. But when, especially if we put this into a negative sense, like a spirit of fear. So here we are, a pneuma of Phobia. Okay. So a pneuma, uh, a spirit of fear. He said, God has not given us the spirit of fear. So why are so many people fearful? And who, so many people who believe in God are fearful. And they say, I'm not afraid. Yes, you are. <laughs> I mean, people are scared to death now. And, and they're more scared of living than they are of dying. I, I don't know which is worse. People are scared. I mean, I'm telling you, I believe most 
Most physical problems that are spiritually induced start with the spirit of fear. They're scared. They're scared to get sick. We're man, look, we're scared to get sick. We're scared to get in a wreck. We're scared to get hurt. We're scared. Oh, well, we're scared. We're scared. We're so scared. We're scared of everything. Let's be scared of something. The weatherman, they don't give us the weatherman anymore. They tell you what to be scared of. It's like, oh, what are you? It's like, well, it's going to be windy tomorrow. No, go secure your yard today. We never heard that when we were kids. Said, it's, we didn't even tell us it's going to be windy. It'd be 30 mile an hour winds outside. We just, you know, we stand in one spot and launch a kite. Now it's like, go secure the things in your yard. What? Well, you're not scared enough. Be scareder. That's the weather for tonight. And if you're not scared, watch us at 10 o'clock. Whew. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now notice this. I mean, God didn't, it, God, God is not the one who gives us fear. He's given us power. That's a gift from God. Power, dunamis, dynamite power. But folks, I want to tell you something. You're not going to see one shred of power until you change your thinking. That's called repentance. Repentance will change your thinking. Sometime you got to face your fear. Period. You know, it's a proven fact that it's more stressful to imagine a situation than if you'd actually gone into that situation. Oh, I'm scared. Of, I'm scared. Of the weather's coming. The weather's coming. The weather's coming. Jake Ryan said, the weather's coming. The weather's coming. The weather's coming. Oh my God, the weather's coming. The weather's coming. The weather's coming. And the weather gets here, and then Jay Grimes comes on and says, here's why the weather didn't get bad yesterday. I don't know why I watch the weather. It's just, it's like, it makes me mad. But the fact is that we the anticipation of an imagined event is more stressful than if you went through that event. Yet we fear. We can't wait to find something to be afraid of. God has not given us a spirit of fear, fear, but of power, dunamis. I mean, the explosive divine power of God, power, love, the, the securing love of God. So what if you physically die? Look, there's a statistic fresh out the press right now. Ten out of ten people still die. You're going to die of something. You will expire. Are you just going to live in fear until you do? Are you going to live? He has not given us the spirit of love. Let me tell you something, man. It is comforting to be in the loving arms, uh, in those everlasting arms, upheld by the power of God. I'm in his hand. I'm under the shadow of his wings. The shields of the earth belong to God. But if I die, I just die. And then I still go get to be with him. Oh, come on, man. Power, love, and a sound mind. Our minds are not sound. We have feeble mindedness and it's because we have not filled our minds with the word of God. And if we do know the Bible, we're such unbelief. We don't believe the Bible. We've lost every demonic argument to the devil 
And he just presents arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And we just succumb. Come on. God did not give us a spirit of fear. That is a mental plague on people today. A spirit of fear. I'm telling you, big pharma is making bank on keeping you scared. And so what do you do? Let's turn on a scary show. That's good. That's what you need to do. Let's go trick-or-treating. Let's go to Hell's Gate, 13th Gate, whatever they call it. Let's go to scare. Oh, that's what you need to do. Induce your scariness and then go get some more medicine to calm you from scary. This is huge. It's epidemic. I'm telling you, I believe more people have demon spirits in their in their uh, spirit of fear than we have actual medical fear problems. I believe 99 percent. See, the words anxiety is a I'm just I have anxiety. You know, the Bible does say be anxious for nothing. See, anxiety is fear. It's a manifestation of fear. As a matter of fact, most, almost every spirit, every sin in the Bible is a manifestation of fear. See, the devil has one weapon, one, and it's called deception. And he uses that one weapon to do one thing, make you afraid. That's his whole job. And if he can make you fear, if the devil can make you fear, that means that you have to tell God, I don't believe you. When God says, fear not, say, oh, God, you don't understand. I have every right to be afraid. Think about this, folks. Is your Christianity going to matter? Is the Bible going to become an authority where the word of God literally takes the authority and the preeminence in your thought life and shifts your patterns of thought to put the mind of Christ, be renewed in the spirit of mind and the grace of God leading you to repentance that lets you change your thoughts. Or are you just going to run wild with fear? The second one, we will turn to Revelation, the 18th chapter. This one actually has two parts to it. We'll take it right here, but it's called hate. Hate. This can also be a religious demon. As a matter of fact, I think it leans more toward the religious category than the just the moral, mental, moral issues. It says uh, in verse two, and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and it's become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and a hateful bird. <clears throat> I won't go into all the issues of Babylon, but I believe Babylon to be a great religious system and part of the world system that will utterly usher in the demon spirit of Antichrist. Now, we can take that and you, you know, and people think, oh, y'all so silly with all that. No. Okay, I'm just watching it all come to pass and Babylon will fall. It had its origins in Babel, the Tower of Babel, but now Babylon, the one world, the unified world under a spirit of Antichrist. And this is where we're at. We're right now 
The drumbeat mantra is globalization, one world government, one world spirit, uh, a monetary system and one world religion. They're, they're all moving toward that way. And the Abrahamic Accords and literally all the Abrahamic faiths coming together, two million, two billion Catholics, two billion, uh, Muslims. I don't know how the, the number on Jews. And then we could, uh, also, uh, add in the Christian faith. We could add in all these people are, are coming together right now. That's over half the planet's population that has spiritual thought, right? But it says Babylon is fallen. Babylon will fall. And all this charge led by the, 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 the Ayatollahs and the Mullahs and, uh, and, 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 and the Pope Francis and even some of your leading, uh, charismatic and, uh, evangelical teachers are leading into this idea of we're all of the same faith. And uh, boy, you couldn't get for This is a spirit of Antichrist. But it says it's fallen. It's fallen. It's become a habitation. I want you to see this. A habitation of every, look at this, of devils, a demon field. This is a religious problem. Demon, demons live in this organization, in this institution called spiritual Babylon. Demons literally have inhabited it and has become a hold of every foul spirit and a cage, a holding cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And so we have foul and unclean all building up to the hateful bird. And when I see the hateful spirit, I, I saw this. OK, because when you start thinking about of all the Abrahamic faiths, the Muslim, I saw a Muslim guy this week said, if one of my children, if one of my children is born gay, I will bury him alive. No exception. How about that diversity and tolerance, folks? <laughs> I will bury him alive. No exceptions. That's hateful. As a Christian, I'd say I would be very disappointed. But let me tell you something. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to do everything I can to see you delivered and set free and restored back to your creative life. That's the Christian way. Nope, we should kill him. Oh, now the other false way is to say, you know, the heart just loves what it loves. And we all love each other and we just love. We love. But it's a hateful bird. It's a religious spirit is a hateful. Have you ever seen a mean religious person? I've heard people pray in mean <laughs> the spirit of mean. It's like, golly. OK, stay with it. The next one, a spirit of heaviness. Go to Isaiah 61. This is a very important one, and I think it's very, very Central to where we are right now. Isaiah 61. You see, I find by going to the specific issue that plagues a person's life, we deal with something. It's not vague anymore. And if the symptoms come up, look. There may be overlapping symptoms. Not every time something, I must have a demon. No, not everything is going to say that you're demonized. But let me say this, knowing where we are as a society, 
knowing where most people are who claim to be Christian and their relationship to shallowness in God's word. I can I can tell you right now, many, many people are full of demons right now. Stay with it. Isaiah 61, third verse says, uh, let me read verse one is context. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is a prophecy of Jesus because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, the opening of prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to come uh, comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, all of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Look at there, spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Okay, and so here we see the spirit of heaviness. Now, a spirit, now again, anyone could go to periods of heaviness, okay? <sighs> Maybe you're just under a big burden when we think of heaviness, but when the spirit of heaviness is on us, there is a gloom, it is an obscurity, it's a darkness, a dimming of all that's light. It seems to withdraw hope from every person. You become in a hopeless state. And the heaviness is that it's a way, it weighs you down in the spirit. Right? It's like. Think it through. There are so many people plagued with this condition right now. I'm telling you. Almost can't move. I mean, there's a pizza commercial out right now. It said, this is to all those brave heroes. I mean, they're dressed in superheroes who would dare to get off the couch and go get the pizza. I'm like, my world don't have that thought process in it. I'm like, is someone actual hero because they got their butt up off the couch and went and got the pizza? That's heroic. Folks, if we've come to the demonized place where you can't get up, okay, you're an otherwise healthy human being, but you can't get up off the couch. Something demonic has happened to you. Put on the, I love the antidote, put on the garment of praise. Praise the Lord. I mean, you can even go to the liveliest charismatic Praise service. There's a, there's some they have some enthusiasts up there, but it's most people golf clapping. <sighs> this hand is so heavy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Appreciate the enthusiasm, folks. Now, all you'd have to do is leave from there, turn the Super Bowl on, and the same person who cannot move all of a sudden does cartwheels. For the game. It's a demon. I'm telling you, it's a demon. Next one. Numbers chapter 5. Way back over there, Numbers. Numbers, the fifth chapter, and we're going to be looking at the, uh, well, uh, 14th verse. 
5th chapter, 14th verse. And the spirit of jealousy, let me just, I I don't want to read too much in context. This gets really heavy in the law stuff, but he says, well, just the spirit of jealousy comes upon him and he be jealous of his wife and she be defiled. Or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him and she be jealous of his wife and she is not defiled. Okay. We see that this spirit of jealousy, all right. Jealousy literally is uh, an animosity or an anger toward any rival or adversary. That's jealousy. Okay. And so when you think of the idea that a jeal, I, I had a jealous spirit way back when I was a teenager and a, and a young twenties. And it was horrible. I mean, it's just like policing up every rival that you think may have looked at your girlfriend is not easy to do, folks. It's wearisome. And so uh, the fact is that the spirit of jealousy, whether the person did something or not, you're still jealous. That's what they're saying. A spirit of jealousy. A spirit. And literally jealousy is like a secret envy. All right. Now, I don't see this one as much central to the mental health issues, but I do see it central to the domestic violence issue. And I want to tell you right now, domestic violence is off the chain. And we are seeing a rash of domestic. Matter of fact, one of the most dangerous things a police officer can do is is respond to a domestic violence. It's a murderous spirit. The Bible says that jealousy is the rage of a man. A jealous man will rage. And I believe that jealousy and a, an envy filled person who's you may be jealous. It may not be even a sexual attraction. It could be jealous of another person's estate who can stand before envy. That's what the uh, Proverbs say. Who can stand before if someone envies what you have or who you are or whatever it might be. They want, they covet, they want what you have. They want your estate. And the, the jealousy is the rage. They don't think it's fair that you've worked. They don't think it's fair that you've earned or gained or bought or did something. They, they, that ain't right. That ain't fair. I should have that. Why? You, you're the one who's a hero for getting off the couch and getting a piece of pizza. My Lord, help us. But you're mad? Man, you should not eat pizza for the next year. Maybe you get lose some weight and get up off the couch and, and get a little bit of lightness about you. Help me, Jesus. <sighs> Proverbs 16, turn there with me. Proverbs 16, most everybody's going to be for me with this passage when we get there. But it's as pride, it's... It's got some different names for it here, but it's pride. It says in verse 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. A haughty spirit. This is a proud spirit. Look, I know that the word proud has been used in some positive connotation. Whoa, my whole rig just fell off the. I'm not going to say that was a demon, but it was certainly an interruption. Uh, no, when, when we look at the idea of a of, of, of proud spirit, I, I avoid the use of the word pride at all costs. I just don't think it's a, a fitting word to use it in, in any situation right now. By, the Bible says 
Uh, God resists the proud. And so even if it's favor, I'm sure proud of my son or I'm proud of that. Uh-uh. There's other ways to say that. I am so pleased. That's what God said. God said, this is my son in whom I will please. Say, say you're pleased about your kid. I'm pleased with you. Huh? Tell them all kinds of things that they're biblical, but don't use the word pride. God resists the proud. Gives grace. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit. I mean, there's a, there's this proud Bible says God hates the proud look. And there are people who hold themselves in a posture of pride as though there's some gloating of what? What? I mean, if you have anything, yeah, you may have worked hard or whatever, but if, it, let me tell you, there's a lot of hardworking people who don't have money or substance or things. I know them. I've met them all over the world. And they don't get proud, but I know a lot of proud uh, people who have money who aren't proud about it. They're just humble about their money. But the fact is, when you start working in, or walking in an attitude of pride, like I'm this, see, I literally believe pride is fear driven. Pride wants to make you think, it wants to project itself. I am all that and then some. I, oh, I, look, this is literally the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. He exalted himself. Folks, this, the spirit of heart is, it's one thing to have a proud moment or to get caught up in some act and say, wow, man, I'm really proud of my accomplishment or, and, and gloat for a second. Anyone could do that, but a spirit of pride lives in that and it's pretty gross. And although it tries to project itself as some mighty one, you're just going to go in the same piece of dirt. You're going to go in the same six foot hole as a poor person and as a humble person. Proud, a proud, haughty spirit. This is a demon spirit driving you to make people think you're something you ain't. Let's move to a new category now that we've worked on your soul a little bit. Let's move, deal with a morality because, uh, you know, I, I was going hunting earlier this year and I, I pulled out of my bag. I bought a compass when I was in Boy Scouts. One of them old Marty knows, Marty's grinning. Uh, you open that compass and you remember, the, you look through it and you find your site and you say, oh, that's where I'm going to walk to. And you, you, and then you map out your, your, your course there. Well, my compass was froze solid. That's where people's moral compass is right now. And it's pointing to hell. It's frozen in hell's direction. The moral compass of people is almost non-existent at this point. We're letting television and, uh, and, and literally a fallen society tell us what's moral now. Okay, now let's deal with a few demons that inherit uh, morality. Judges, the ninth chapter. Twenty third verse. Uh, Starting twenty two, when Abimelech had reigned three years over Israel. Then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Now, Abimelech was one of Gideon or Jerubbabel's sons. 
And he killed his 70 brothers so he could be the king. Nice fella. That was the, the deal back in those days. If you had other brothers and you became king, you killed them. That was the norm. You kill them because they, if you die, then they were, had right to the throne. So you wanted to remove all competition. All right. And so that was pretty normal. Well, God judged him for doing this. And, and the judgment was the very people who put him in power now had turned on him. And look at this. It says, and he sent, God sent this. God sent an evil spirit to the people of Shechem between Abimelech and Shechem. And so when we see this issue of an evil spirit, now this is, this is one I got to talk to you about. We want, we're going to look at this one for a second. It says, um, it can mean wicked, bad, disagreeable, unpleasant, and unhappy. You ever notice somebody like that with just an evil spirit? Their whole, their whole countenance is evil. They're not a pleasant person to be around. Well, that's just the way I am. Well, you're demon possessed. Can you, can you take that? Are you, are you literally, it's a spirit of, now, anybody could have an unpleasant moment. Anybody could be, have a, a day and even a wicked day, any, a bad day. But folks, when you live this way, you have a spirit of it. All right. That ain't a whoops moment. You have contracted a demon into your, into your moral compass and you believe that your snake-like attitude is good and everybody else knows better. It's not. I think in this moral one, more and more people are going to begin to see themselves quickly. Turn with me to uh, 1 Kings 22. I hope this is helping somebody. I hope you're starting to discover. See, what's the point? Well, what if you start seeing yourself in these pictures here? What if you start seeing your activity? I mean, you really see your response or the way of life. Okay. Stay with it. First Kings 22, verse 22. It says, um, and the Lord said to him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, you shall persuade him and prevail also go forth and do so. And so we have a spirit that volunteered to go be a lying spirit in the mouth of preachers. Now I'm going to start hitting on some stuff. Look, people don't like anybody to talk or don't talk about preachers because you're dividing the case. No, 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 no. The false preacher is dividing the thing. The true prophet ain't dividing nothing. I remember, uh, what, what, what was it? Um, Ahab said to Elijah, are you him who troubles Israel? He brought judgment down on Israel. And he said, no, you're the troubler of Israel. You're the one who brought the trouble. You're the sinner here. And so when we look at this issue about who's really bringing the trouble, a, a lying prophet, 
Someone who's telling lies from the pulpit. Now, this is going to grow, especially if we get into the religious aspect of this. A lying spirit in the mouth of a prophet. Now, listen to me carefully. There are folks out there who have a lying spirit. They just cannot tell the truth. You are so given to lies, you don't even know what truth is. You see, I want to uh, let me inject this right now. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is called the first First indicator, the first insight to the character of the Holy Spirit is that he is the spirit of truth. He absolutely loves the truth. He epitomized because Jesus said, I am the truth. And so the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth is obsessed with truth, the word of truth. And lying prophets are obsessed with lies. They're obsessed with sensationalism, with hype with bending to fit their narrative, to fill their pew and to fill their coffer. That's what lion prophets are driven to do. It's what it's how they function. All right. And so there are many, though, that as the prophets, so are the, uh, the people. There are many people in a religious context who just lie. They're just liars. The Bible says that the fearful and the unbeliever and all liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. I want you to think that through. The fearful and the unbeliever and all liars. And then he sums it up. He puts them in the abominable, the whoremonger. I mean, every kind of grotesque sin you think of are going to the same hell that the unbeliever, the fearful unbeliever and liar. We should take this to heart. Look, folks, some of you have just learned just to lie. And now you have a lying spirit. You, you won't tell the truth. There's many of them. Turn with me to Isaiah 19. I can say, man, I hadn't covered any ground and it's almost seven o'clock. Can you believe it's seven o'clock? Oh, I have covered a lot of ground. Okay, well, I'll I'll begin to close. That's a really open-ended thing for me. In uh, Isaiah 19, verse 14, it says, The Lord has mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof, and they have caused Egypt to err in every work thereof as a drunken man staggers in his vomit. Now, a perverse spirit. Now, perversity is ruling the day right now. And that means we have twisted, bent, corrupted, made crooked every right way. And this can bleed over into any arena of life. Perversity can shift into any arena. Now, we know that sexual perversion is absolutely off the hook right now. It's off the chain. And when we have, uh, we have grown men dressed like ladies, that women trying to look like men, that's perversity. And I don't care what you do, the mental derangement to try to say, I'm going to have an operation that will make me a girl or a boy. This is mental illness. It is literally spiritually. This is a a spirit of perversity, and it makes you to go wrong in every work like a drunken man. You don't want a. How many employers allow drunkenness at the workplace? I mean, 
Even the bartenders, I mean, I worked in a bar room for years and they didn't, my first night I got drunk. He said, don't do that no more. I said, oh, well, it was there. But anyway, the, the bottom line was this, is that you, no employer wants you to be drunk on the job. Why? Because you do stupid things drunk. And the spirit of perversion twists your way and you think you're doing right. But you're perverse. Our nation has perverted its way. Our politicians are so perverted and crooked and bent that literally you have to screw them into the ground. That's how we'll bury them. Like an auger. They're that twisted. This is a spirit. It's a demonic spirit. And it can affect any area of life. When you begin to bend your function, twist your function, and and pervert your creative order, literally, you have a spirit. It's a spiritual thing when a man or a woman begins to mutilate themselves to try to become the opposite sex. That's perverse. Let me move on quickly. I'm going to cover a couple more and then we'll stop real quickly. First Timothy, fourth chapter. One of the most pertinent ones that we'll talk to about our generation. Verse one, the now the spirit speaks expressly, loudly, boldly. Overtly, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, if we're not in the latter times, we're way more in them than they were. We're 2,000 years closer to the last days than they were. The latter days, some shall depart from the faith. They will leave the faith. There are many who are demonized with a spirit of various errors that say that you can't leave, then they never really had faith. That is really one of the dumbest things you could possibly say to people who claim to be good theologians. What you have is a demon spirit of error and you're trying to cover your tracks. This says that you are giving heed. To give heed literally means to allow your mind to take it into your mind that, that they'll depart from the faith by giving heed to seducing spirits and Doctrines of devils. That's two different things. A seducing spirit, a seductive spirit. Normally when we think of seduction, we think in sexual terms, but it's also in spiritual terms. And so we look at the idea of in the spiritual arenas of a seduction. Uh, in the Old Testament, we'll go over this next week, but in the Old Testament, it, uh, in the book of Hosea in particular, said you've gone a whoring after other gods. Okay, it says that, Norm, uh, quite a few times, though, but in the book of Hosea, absolutely he said, and you've gone a whoring, which is a sexual sin after other gods, which was an idolatry. So idolatry and whoredom or prostitution were hand in hand that basically you have sold yourself. You have prostituted yourself to another God. You broke the covenant of God and became an idolater. That's the connotation here. And the spiritual intimacy that was meant only between you and God are now being uh, uh, literally you're playing an adulterous idolater with a false God, a demon. 
And so he said, in the latter days, people will depart from the faith, giving heed, keeping in mind the seducing to seducing. So they seduce you. It's a seductive thing. Uh, Oprah Winfrey used to uh, talk about her, the, her Bible or Sunday school classes. I think she had Baptist roots. Or I, I'm, I'm not positive, but she would talk. I remember talking about the book of Ephesians and this kind of stuff. And now, man, she's like, there's many ways to God. You know, there's a lot of spokes on the wagon wheel and they all read to one God. And uh, Come on, man. That's a seductive spirit. She looks good. She talks good. Very articulate, smart lady, billionaire. Everybody this, oh, Oprah said. And, and look. But the Bible says, and we are giving heed to seducing spirits. The Pope is leading us into ecumenicalism with Muslim, with Jew. It's, 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 uh, oh, we're all of the same faith. This is not God, folks. We have other, we could take this into many arenas, but then it says to doctrines of devils, doctrines of demons, literally teachings of de- demonic teachings, which we'll cover again in the religious. So I'll, I'll just leave off of that right now. But a seduction, the seductiveness of one who would, who would entice you to leave uh, one of the things right now. Uh, look, trying to get Christians to be Jews. That's a big deal right now. And many are flocking to that. Oh, that's wonderful. I love this. That right now people say, he's a Messianic Jew. No, he's a Christian. There's no such thing as a Messianic Jew. As a big, if you believe in Messiah, you're a Christian. Your Judaism means nothing. You're a Christian or you're a Jew. Take your pick. Be a good one of either. Just not one or the other. You can't be both. Next one. Luke chapter four. I'll speed it up a little bit if I can. I don't care if it goes over a little while here. I've cut it short a few nights, so y'all don't gripe if I go over a few minutes. Chapter four, 33rd verse. And in the synagogue, I like this. And where was that? In the synagogue. You see, demons love religious gatherings. I'm just telling you. One of my old pastors said, best because light draws bugs. I'm just telling you, demons love church. Okay. <clears throat> and in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know thee, who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold your peace and come out of him. Don't dialogue with devils. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst of the, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For the, with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they can't come out. I love the wording here. And remember, we're talking about moral issues here. And he said, I know, uh, there was a man with, that had a spirit of an unclean devil. Now we covered that 
what made a person unclean. And so this could have been anything from a, it could have been a morbidly obese person. It could have been a, an anorexic person. It could have been a person who was in, in sexual confusion or some kind of deviant sexual behavior. It could have been a person who was literally associated with the dead, who was infatuated with death and deadness. Uh, it could have been a person, a leper. It could have been a person who just was in gross sin, but that person was demonized and literally the demons cried out when they saw Jesus, leave us alone. What have we got to do with you? They knew who he is. And when he's in you, they'll know who he is too. Right? Hold your peace and come out of him. Turn with me to Hosea. We'll cover Hosea tonight real quick. I have two more. Stay with me. Put on the garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness that just hit you. Stay with me just a few more minutes and we'll cover the next week. I could go real slow and methodical over the one I've been really wanting to get to the religious devils. Hosea chapter four. And the 12th verse. He said, my people ask counsel at their stocks. That's a, their, their, their carved images. They ask counsel. They go to before their, the God they made up and they ask counsel. And their staff declares unto them for the spirit of whoredoms has caused them to, to err. And they have gone whoring from under their God. It's a prostitution of idolatry and it makes an error. Folks, I want to tell you right now, there are people loaded with this error right now. You're worshiping a God you made up. You get counsel from a God you made up. I love to hear you declare what the Bible says. And somebody says, you know, God will judge you for that. I would never serve a God who would judge me. <sighs> they get indignant. That's the indignant voice. I would never serve a God like that. Well, they make them up a new one. He's just love. All he is is love. God ain't nothing but love. He's a big old sack of love. There ain't nothing else to God but love. And what the Bible says, but it's what everybody wants to hear right now. And there's some incessant need for preachers to tell people God loves you until my goodness. I, I can't grasp that. If you just sat there to me all day long and you just said, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm probably convinced you don't. If that's all you got, I'm pretty certain you do not love me. There is a spirit of whoredoms. Now this bleeds over into two things. It causes a religious error and it literally, there is a physical whoredom, a spirit of sexuality. You see, the close kindred to these has everything to do with intimacy, spiritual intimacy 
of the people who are in covenant with God. Now, it isn't weird. It ain't like we're having sex with God. It, but it is a spiritual giving of the heart to God and that reverse to, to you. God gives his heart to you. And then we go give it to another and God is grieved as one who has been uh, cheated on. Matthew 12, 45, and I'll stop tonight. This will be the last one. Matthew 12, 45th verse. We covered a, a thing a little earlier in Matthew 12, but we're going to catch one more at the very end. We'll start in verse 44, I think. Uh, 43. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and finding none. Then he says, I will return to my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he finds it empty, swept and garnished. Then he goes and he takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be with this wicked generation. Now, the word uh, it, it, it literally means a more wicked it means that they are they're they're uh hurtful excuse me i can't read hurtful and they're full of annoyances of labor that literally they bring they make your toil grievous they make it i mean everything's unpleasant like the children of israel when they were in captivity in egypt it says pharaoh made their lives bitter with hard bondage. I see that as a picture of demonization, that literally everything is a toll, everything is an annoyance, everything is a hardship and a grievance. All right, folks, we've been identifying strong men all night long. And there are strong men who are trying to occupy your stronghold. And I have every reason to believe that many people that are hearing this teaching tonight, this has touched you about some issue. I'm going to ask you to stay with this next week. L listen carefully. If you have a pressing issue, you go to our website, www.housechurchesusa.com and you get on there and there's a contact us part. Now, or you can message us right here on Oikos Ministries and Facebook. Message us. I'll get back in touch with you. One of us will, and we will talk to you to help you through your pressing need. But I want to tell you right now, many of you need to get delivered. Many of you need to have the demon driven out by the word of God. And it's my objective in this teaching to identify, shine light on, and then force these suckers out in the name and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that he will have victory in your life and see you set free and him receive great glory. God bless you. Have a great week. We love you. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's Word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.